Romans 10 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Sent, right? I'm thankful that we're a part of a going church, but also a part of a church that believes in sending, right? And helping launch forth and helping mobilize the body of Christ. And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all of our missionaries and ministries that respond and say, here I am, send me. People like Ken Belbin, over here on um, my right, your left, um, who he and his wife serve in helping mobilize people to go to unreached people groups around the world. Paul and Lana Duda, who uh, serve in the Caribbean, but their primary focus is into a communist country where they're working on planning and building churches all across, seeing God do incredible things. People like Tony and Jamie Sebastian, who work in the, uh, in the country of Cyprus, reaching unreached people groups as the nation is divided politically, and they're ministering, doing some incredible works. We've worked with them recently, and Tyler and Rebecca Schultz, who work with their family in a sensitive nation in Western Asia, reaching college students for Jesus, trying to equip, train um, this next generation who have never heard and bringing them in. But people in this next slide um, that have stayed on the mission field throughout pretty tough challenges in life. Jay, who's in his 20s, went through a recent bout with cancer, um, early 20 years old and as a missionary on the mission field, but stayed faithful in the call that God had him. Ashley Penley, the, the man on the right, him and his wife Meredith, they serve in the nation of Ecuador and they were here in the pulpit just a few weeks ago on a Sunday night um, and hearing what God did in his life is he's been recently declared cancer free and they are now back serving in Ecuador, ministering um, uh, amongst the people in the capital City, amen. And then John and Brandy. Brandy, the, the woman right there in the middle, went through a couple-year battle with cancer as well, and God has done incredible things in their life. They lead a phenomenal church in Barcelona, um, Spain, reaching people all around our world, people who have said, here I am, send me, even when I walk through the valley, right? People that have stayed faithful to the call, and I'm thankful, I'm thankful for our missionaries, that they're not just a number, 178 different missionaries and ministries, but these are people with real stories that are having real impact upon our world. Here you can see a slide of kind of the global population of where we support 50 missionaries here in the United States of America, um, with about 20 of those being in our backyard here in, in Jacksonville, Florida, eight in the Caribbean, 10 in South America, nine in Africa, 32 in in Europe, um, Europe has about 2% of the population who are born-again born again Christians. And so our, our mind goes to Europe, but we don't understand the spiritual dynamic that oftentimes it's like plowing in concrete with a spoon. It's just very difficult. And 32 that we support, trying to reach a continent that is far from, far from the Lord. And 24 who serve in Asia and the uh, South Pacific, Southeast Asia and India and China and all that area and over 15 ministries that we support monthly and the nation of Israel. Come on, let's thank God for the, the reach of, of this church. I'm thankful to know that when we are generous and we give into missions that it goes all around the globe, right? The sun doesn't set on the missions giving. If you, if you realize that 
Everywhere there's light, there's generosity by this church reaching out into to all the world. And so I'm thankful for a church. And these, these missionaries and these numbers, they rep- represent more than just a number. But these are families, families that are having real impact. And these are primary areas of focus that I'm about to read. So not just the only thing they do, but um, we, we, we support six different families who serve primarily working and human trafficking situations rescuing women, rescuing children, rescuing people out of the broken bondages of this hellhole of human trafficking and drawing people out of darkness and into the light. Seven missionaries who work amongst mainly in refugee contexts, people who are globally displaced and put out around the world. Two missionaries that work with university students and and then veterans and nine that are working in substance abuse and rescue missions. Those who work and train and empowering the next generation in leadership. 31 in evangelism. 11 in children children's many and you can read on and out on and down the list one of the most exciting ones to me are those who focus in reaching the unreached people groups of our world see when you give each and every month to these 178 different ministries and missionaries that we support your impact then in turn touches tens of thousands of people all around our globe in that month um, and if you haven't gotten one yet today we have a little uh, booklet or paper booklet that we we produce in-house that just shows kind of the breakdown of your missions giving over the past year and I want to encourage you to grab that so you can look into that so you can pray for the missionaries but then you can also see that when you give, where do those dollars go? I want you to listen to this. Out of 13,000 churches in the Assemblies of God, Evangel ranks in the top 50 in missions giving. Out of 13,000 churches, this church ranks in the top 50 in missions giving. This past year, we gave $43,000 to help mobilize our church to go around the world, go globally. Um, This past year, in 2022, we gave $75,000 to the nation of Israel and different ministries and missionaries that work on reaching the people of, uh, of God. This past year, we gave into our backyard over $172,000 through Mission of Hope, through Samaritan House, giving clothes and food to those that are in need, reaching out to the juvenile ministries, the prisons that are in our backyard, to widows, to orphans, to foster cares, etc. It, it, it goes on and on and on. Hundred Over $172,000 that this church gave to bless people within our community and then to ministries and missionaries around the world that we support over $352,000, which means over $644,000 in the past year. As a church, we were able to give to help people we were able to give to help people encounter Jesus and if you add this up over the last decade that's over seven million dollars that this church has given in the last decade to reach people for Jesus in our world this is a giving church this is a giving people Amen? Never forget that your pledge, everybody should have got a card today, and I'm gonna ask you to make a financial pledge to help reach people for Jesus. That your step of faith, your sacrifice, combined with the step of faith by others in this room, enables us collectively to do incredible things in the kingdom, amen? To go to crazy lengths to reach those 
for Jesus. Because after all, we serve a God who went to crazy lengths to reach us. Amen? He, he did something crazy. He laid down his life to reach us. And so when we combine it with others, it allows us to go to crazy lengths to reach people for Jesus. And going forward, our work is not done. It's not check 2022, but there are still 42.5% of our world who have never heard the name of Jesus. So we cannot stop. We cannot grow weary. We cannot grow stagnant. We cannot stay at the, the same level. Our goal is to tell all for Jesus, till every tribe, every nation, every tongue has, has heard. Amen. And so that means next year, our goal is not to do the same amount. Our goal is not to do less, but to do more because there are billions who have never heard. And so our goal is to increase our budget by over 120,000 to 765,000. Our our dream is to be over a million dollars a year, but our goal this year is to bump it up so that we can continue reaching our world for, for Jesus. And I know on paper, this is a large jump, but I'm thankful we don't live by paper. We live by faith. Amen. And God has called us to be a people of faith. In church, we have to be a people of faith who believe what God can do in us and then through us. Amen? And then we must all commit as the church to help reach people for Jesus through our prayers, through our giving, and through our going. Next year. We have to mobilize the church. The 42% depend on it. And over the last couple of years, I get it, it's looked a little bit different, but 2023, baby, we're trying to get back into full swing of missions mode. We've planned teams to go, if you pull up the slide, to North America, to South America, Europe, Asia, the Middle East. That represents Honduras, Middle East to a sensitive nation we can't name, Ecuador, um, uh, here locally, and, and to Florida with our middle school students, Colombia, um, Europe on two two trips, and then to the, to the Philippines. So we have three different trips working primarily amongst uh, UPGs, which are called unreached people groups. And I want to encourage you that if you are interested in being a part of one of these global teams, you can go to the website today to sign up to get more information. Um, but Jesus gave us a commission, did he not? And Matthew, he said, go. He said, go into all the world and tell people about him, right? He told us to go into all the world to tell people to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And it wasn't for a small group of people, a select few, but it was for all of us. And so as a church, we exist to help people encounter Jesus from local to global. And I'm thankful that our response, it changes eternity. Our prayers changes eternity. Our giving, it changes eternity. Our going, it changes eternity. And today as we celebrate the generosity of this house of what God has done through us, we know that we are not finished because there are 42% of our world that are unreached with zero access to the gospel. No Christian witness, no church in their community, no, nothing. 42% of our world, over 3.37 billion people who cannot go down the street and hear about Jesus, who cannot go to the next part of their village and hear people about Jesus, people that are totally unreached, every single one of them a soul for whom Jesus died. And our call, our responsibility is to reach these precious people for him. Amen? We give because God gave. We go because God sent. 
we give because every person side, uh, this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. And when we give, we can reach out to those who are lost. We can be confident that fruit will be produced here, but then also at and in eternity. So today I've asked the ushers to give everyone a card and at the end of my sermon, I'm going to ask for a financial commitment from every person in this room. Every person. Because I believe that we can all do something. I believe we have the responsibility to all do something. And I want to partner together as the church to invest into eternity and when we do when we all do something, we help make space in eternity. But we're also making space. We're also making space for God to show up in our lives as well. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to dive into your word, and I pray that your word would get inside of our hearts, get inside of our lives. God, we're thankful that somebody made space for us. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us through our prayers, through our giving, and through our going to help make space for those who have yet to hear. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Second Kings chapter four, verse eight. If you would flip over there, Second Kings chapter four, verse eight, and your scriptures, we've got it on the screen. Um, and I want to add my um, celebration to grandma um, for their 58 years. One more time. Let's celebrate, 58 years. Um, we'd give her the mic. But she's a lot of fun, y'all, and I might not ever give it back. Y'all would rather hear her than hear me. And so um, we're grateful for her continued ministry. 58 years. 58. That's a long time, a lot of water under the bridge that they've been here and uh, have been faithful through it all. And we love, we appreciate, and esteem. So 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem where a wealthy woman lived who urged Elisha, she urged him, to eat some food. So whenever Elisha would pass that way, he would turn in there to eat food. Um, Elisha goes to Shunem. Shunem was located in the northern parts of Israel, close to Megiddo um, and Mount Geboa. If you've been to Israel with us, it's in the Jezreel uh, Valley. I believe in two weeks we have another Israel information meeting coming up. If you want to go with us next year uh, to Israel, it's going to be a phenomenal trip. Um, but as Elisha goes to Shunem, Elisha runs into this, this woman there. The NIV, it describes her as a well to do woman. The ESV says she was a wealthy woman. Whatever the case, we know that this woman was a wise woman. Why wise? Because she urged the man of God to eat some food, right? I'm not going to dive deep into to this part, but I do think it's worth, worth noting that the story isn't about the Shunammite man. It's about the Shunammite woman, right? It's not about the man, the patriarch of the home, it's about the matriarch of the home. And because mama was generous, mama was led by the, the spirit, the whole house received a miracle. The whole house received a blessing. So mama, lead with a spirit of generosity in the home. Amen? So this woman, as I said, she was a wise woman. Why? Because she urged Elisha 
to eat some food. This is not overly complicated, y'all. Right? She sees the man of God, wants to bless the man of God, and generosity comes forth through the form of culinary skills. Amen. Right? And she must have been a good cook because it says whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. Like initially she has to urge him to stop and come eat some food. But then after he tasted of the food, it says she, that he passed by that way continually. Thank God for the spiritual gift of cooking. Y'all responded a little more than the first service. Hey man, I got some hungry people. Is it because it's closer to lunchtime? Right? I know that God gave some good gifts to the body in 1 Corinthians, and a good cook is right up there with those who can prophesy and raise the dead. Amen? Like, come on now, let's eat. I'm always ready for a good meal. Listen, there, there, there are certain people who have this gift of cooking that if they call, you stop. Right? I can, I can be in a meeting, and I'm sorry if, if y'all are, are some of these that got the do not disturb text, but I can be in a meeting and one person can call and they might get auto reply. But five minutes later in the same meeting, if Sister Devereaux had called and she's now gone on to heaven, but, but Sister Devereaux, if she would have called, she had God's recipes for buttermilk biscuits. And if she called in the same meeting, she would have got a, hey, Sister Devereaux, how can I help you today? Right? Not because she was going to need some help, but I knew her pattern that she was going to bless me with some buttermilk biscuits, some chicken and dumplings, some banana pudding. Her generosity gave her access. Amen? And that's what generosity does. It gives us access. How many know that generosity, it opens doors? The Shunammite woman understood this. She wanted to see the prophet. She could have sent a letter. She could have sent a servant. She could have tried to make an appointment, but instead, being wise, what'd she do? She prepared a meal. She prepared a meal. She made some fresh hummus and some lamb and some pita. Her generosity towards the man of God gave her access. Church, we do this all the time. In missions and in outreach. When we give physically, people open up spiritually. People open up emotionally, right? It's why we do Mission of Hope, so we can meet a physical need so that the spiritual will open up. It's why we do Samaritan House, so that we can help clothe, we can help feed those who are hungry. When we do it to the least of these, Jesus said, you've done it unto me. You've done it unto me. And I know there's a lot of talk about, well, well, this, this, that. No, no, no. Jesus' words were, when you do it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. This is why we have a team right now. Right now, today, we have a team down in El Salvador serving, doing a medical missions trip. They're doing a medical clinic with doctors and nurses, the whole nine yards. And they're ministering to people physically because when you are generous, it gives you access but not only does it give us access to people, our generosity gives us access to God. Was it not in the Old Testament that in the pattern of worship that first there was thanksgiving and then the next step were offerings and sacrifices that were to be presented before people had access to the presence of God? Why? Because generosity gave 
access? Was it not the widow that Jesus saw in the temple on his week of his passion? He knew he was about to die. He knew he was about to go to the cross and he was gonna die a brutal death. And what is Jesus doing? He is watching the generosity of the people of God and says that she put in more than all of the rest. God takes note of our generosity. And when your heart of generosity is geared towards bringing those who are far from God, near to God, you can be sure that it gains the attention of the almighty God in heaven and it gives you access into his presence. Amen? So whenever, whenever the prophet would pass that way, he would turn in there, verse eight says, to eat food. Because of this, this woman's generosity, this town called Shunem had now been, become a, a culinary destination in, in Israel. Watch what happens next. This woman says to her husband, behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God. And he is continually passing our way. Like Elisha's like, I got a good thing coming. I'm going to take advantage of it, right? He is continually passing our way. So let us let us make a small room on the roof with walls. Put therein for him a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. What does she do? She intensifies her generosity. Initially, at the beginning of the passage, Elisha had to be urged. She urged the man of God to go. But now because of her generosity, they couldn't keep homeboy away, right? He was coming all the time. Verse nine says he was continually passing. So what do they do? They intensify their generosity. They don't complain that he's taking advantage of this. No, they amp up their generosity. Church, there's a difference become between giving and extravagantly giving. Her generosity gave her access to the prophet's presence, but her extravagance made space for the miracle that was about to come into her life. See, they, they, they literally, they literally create a space for the prophet on their room. Generosity creates space for your, your miracle. Mama says, let's prepare a place for the man of God to stay. Let's do it on the second floor, on the, on the roof where there's, where there's a view. Put up some walls, bring in a, a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp, right? Trying to meet his, his practical needs, urging him to hang around because they weren't just content with the prophet passing by, right? They wanted him to hang around. I think we can take note of this in our walk with the Lord. I don't want Jesus just to pass by me, but I want him to be in my life abiding in me because if I abide in him and he in me, he will produce much fruit. Amen. That means we have to create space. We have to create margin that goes beyond access to presence, but it creates space for the abiding in the presence of almighty God. Church, God has entrusted a world around us today. The Shunammite woman, she was going to take care of what God entrusted to her. God was sending the prophet her way. But church, God has entrusted the world to us. And they're not looking for a hot meal. They're not looking for a room to lay their head. They need the bread of life. A world around us that needs Jesus. And we have the opportunity through our 
generosity, through our praying, through our going, to speak directly into their lives. As Jesus said to his disciples, when they asked him, well, the Samaritan woman, if he was ready to eat, he was like, oh, I got food that you know not of. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Church, we got to help finish the work through our generosity by bringing the bread of life to a world that is around us that is starving and dying spiritually. They are. We have to bring this bread. This woman was incredible at generosity and she met the needs of the man of God practically and because they created space for the man of God. Because they created space through their generosity. Watch what happens next. One day, Elisha comes and he turns into his chamber and he rests. And he says to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood and in front of him. And so uh, Elisha and Gehazi, they, they show up and he tells Gehazi to, to come because he wants to show some appreciation for all the trouble that this widow, or not this widow, but this woman had gone through in making space. Elisha takes note and wants to offer appreciation. If you're in any form of leadership, it's good for us to take note and to offer appreciation. Amen. Even if we're not in any form of leadership, people that serve us, we should be a people who are grateful. People that take care of us, people that wait on us in a restaurant, people that are taking the trash out in stores, even though you're not the employer, say, hey, thank you for what you, you do. We should be a people that gratitude flows forth from our heart. Why? Because generosity is a part of our life. And so Elisha, he takes note. He takes note. And actually, we've got a, a thank you uh, banquet coming up that if you serve in any way in an evangel, um, you'll hear some more of it coming up. But I believe it's on November 4th where we're doing a thank you banquet for all of those that serve to help the vision of this house um, move forward. So you can reach out to the office and RSVP there. But it's going to be a, a, a fun night. But this man, Elisha, he takes note. Watch this. This Shunammite, her generosity wasn't a one-time event. It wasn't a one-time donation but it was the continual act of cooking meals and building and maintaining a space for him to rest. She couldn't order Uber Eats when the man of God came, right? She couldn't go to Chick-fil-A when the man of God came. Everything was locally sourced, locally harvested. If they wanted meat, they had to go skin the animal and get meat, right? If they wanted fresh herbs, they had to go get it, right? So it is hard work. Her generosity was hard work, which is why Elisha says, you have taken all this trouble for us. He's saying, you've done so much for me. What can I do for you? And then she says something that is shocking. She answers him and says, I dwell among my people. Translation, I'm good. I don't need anything. That's the translation. I'm, I'm dwelling among my people. I've got what I, I need. He's like, I can give a word to the king, to the commander of the armies. And I got connections. I can do what I need to do to bless you. And she says, no, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm good. This is, this is when you know that the woman's generosity wasn't motivated by pretense, right? She gave to give because generosity was her nature. She wasn't looking for something that was coming her way. It wasn't quid pro quo, this for that. It wasn't for a favor. She was generous because it was her 
nature. Church, generosity should mark our lives. Generosity should be our nature. We should lead the world in what generosity looks like. We shouldn't look to the world for what generosity looks like. This woman gave to give. There was a need, right? She had the means and she met the need. That's what love and that's what generosity does. It sees a need and meets it. I'm gonna say that again. Love and generosity sees a need and what does it do? It meets it. That's what a heart compelled by Christ will do, to see a need and will meet it. And 42% of our world is unreached and we can do something about it. As the disciples looked to Jesus and said, you hold the words of life. We have the words of life. We have the words of life that 42% of our world who have never heard, who have no access. Church, we've got 1,400 churches in our city that I thank God for. I thank God for every church in Jacksonville, Florida. And yes, I know there's a lot of need, both physical and spiritual in our backyard, but our community has access to the gospel. But 42% of our world is without access. We've been questioned, why, why, why do you go to the ends of the earth when there's so much need in our own backyard? Why do you, you know, there, there's so many needs all around our nation and our city, our state, that we could channel everything. We could, we could, but we have access. We have Christians, right? We have people that are salt and light in a world that is around us, and we do reach to our backyard. We don't neglect it, we say from local to global. That's our mission, that's our vision, that we go from local to global. But I have a keen understanding that 42% have zero access. They have zero access, and I have a responsibility to do something about it because we hold the words of life. Generosity must be our nature to get his word to our world. And when extravagant generosity is our nature, it makes space for our miracle. If I plant in kingdom soil, I can't help but have a kingdom harvest. As I read last week, those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. For God loves a cheerful giver. It's what he loves. I want to do what he loves, right? I want to be a part of what he loves. And our intention should never be to give to get. But it doesn't mean I don't understand how the kingdom operates. I understand we live in a society that we give to get often. But Pastor Robert Morris says the give to get mentality is all based upon selfishness and we can't land there. Give to get works selfishness back into our lives. But the give to give mentality works selfishness and greed out of our lives. And that's where this woman lived at. Because she said, I'm good. I don't need anything. Like, I, I got it. I, I don't need anything. She has all she needs. And in her giving, she experiences freedom. She sees a need and meets it. And the man of God loves this. The man of God loves this. And it motivates the man of God. When she says, I have all I need, it motivates him even more because he sees the heart behind the checkbook, right? He sees the heart of the person that she ain't doing it out of pretense. She's doing it because that's where her heart is postured and positioned. And so Elisha, he gets astounded and puzzled and he's wondering what he can do. And he says to his prophet, what then is to be done for her? And this is where it gets real. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Gehazi says, there is one thing she lacks, a son. 
See, sons were everything in this culture. Go back to Ruth and Naomi, right? Naomi, her sons died, her husband died, and what'd she do? She changed her name to Mara, which meant bitter. Like sons were, were everything in culture. Sons carried on the family name. Sons represented a future source of income. So this signifies a deep place of need, a deep place of hurt, a deep place of longing. And physically, they ain't doing nothing about it. Right? They haven't had a baby for all these years, and now her husband is old, so it seems that there is no possible way for them to have a baby. But just because something may be impossible in the physical doesn't mean it's impossible with God, amen? Because God is in the midst of doing the impossible. So regardless, regardless of where we are in life and what challenge we may be facing, God is able to perform what everybody else may say, "Uh uh-uh, it ain't happening, right? So Elisha calls to her and speaks to her. He says, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. He doesn't say a baby. He says a son. Like he names the gender. He names the gender. He says, at this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord. Oh, man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived. And she bore a son about that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. Notice, Elisha doesn't even ask for permission. Elisha doesn't ask for permission. He just speaks directly to the need. That's how you know it's God. He says about this time next year, you will have a son. And what's her response? No, don't lie to me. Elisha had stuck a place of deep pain. This woman, she had money. She had a house. She had a lot going for her. The Bible says she was wealthy, a well-to-do woman, but she had no son. How often things can look good on the outside, but regardless of who we are or where we are, reality is we all have points of pain in our life. Heard a message that I was listening to this past week. Say pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Pain is inevitable, meaning we all are going to experience pain in life. But suffering, we ain't gotta suffer. It's all the lens with which we view our pain. And she was able to be generous because she didn't view her life through the lens of her pain, amen? Notice, God hadn't given her every desire of her heart. She had longed for a child. However, her void in her life did not stop the overflow of her generosity. The thing that she was missing in her life did not stop the overflow of generosity. The thing that was going wrong in life did not stop the overflow of hospitality. The thing that did not go like she planned or wanted to or desired in life did not make her bitter. How often, church, do we get upset about what we don't have? Amen? Causing us to be ungrateful for what we do have, causing us to miss out on the blessings that we, we could have. I said, church, how often, 
How often do we get upset about the things that we don't have, the things that haven't gone right, the things that haven't gone our way? You know, it's been said, that ain't fair. Well, fair only comes once a year, right? Causing us to be ungrateful for what we do have. Causing us to miss out on all the blessings that we, we could have. Church, the making of her miracle was not on majoring in the things that she did not have. Her miracle was in the midst of her joy and contentment with all of the blessings that God had already worked into her life. Her joy, her joy overflowed in an abundance of generosity, which made space for her miracle. Made space for her miracle. They strike this deep point of pain. And then it says, about that time, Next year, she had conceived and she gave birth to her miracle because she made space. How many people around the world are waiting for their miracle? New birth in Jesus Christ, being born into the kingdom of God, waiting for us to make space, to give access through our prayers, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send labors through our going, going to all the world, through our giving. How are they to hear unless they are sent? The Bible's clear, the pattern. We might not have Elisha passing by our house, but we do have a world, worship team, if you would come to the stage. We do have a world that is lost and broken and without Christ, a world that is waiting for us to say, I'm willing to make space. I'm willing create margin in my life, in my finances, for their salvation. Everyone has a card today. It's a faith promise card, a missions card, and we call it faith promise because we know it is a step of faith, right? It's above God's tithe. It's above the Lord's tithe. It's an offering, a free will offering. It's really an eternal offering where we are investing into eternity. I want you to grab that card. I want you to grab that card and hold on to it. I want you to write your name on it. There's a little space for pledging. It's not a contract, right? Nobody's calling your home. Nobody's calling your cell phone. But it's a commitment. It's a commitment to God saying, God, in faith, I wanna be able to invest into eternity this year. I wanna make margin. I wanna make space. I wanna give access. You saw what we did financially this past year in giving. And next year, we've got an even bigger year planned trying to help reach the 42% of our world who have never heard of Jesus. And your gift financially unlocks people spiritually. That's what it does. When we give, it unlocks people spiritually because we can meet a physical need which opens up the spiritual need. I want you to take a moment. I want you to fill out that card on the back. You can set up recurring giving, weekly, monthly, however often you want to do that. But take a moment and invest into eternity with us. I do it every week, right? I get paid, I'm, I'm weird. I get paid, we get paid bi-weekly. <laughs> but I make sure for some reason, it's just my pattern because every week I wanna give something that my giving is broken up every week. I do it online, it's recurring. And I just, I feel like every week I need to be giving something and, and, and just being generous. And so it's broken up over 52 rather than 26. I know I'm weird. Six and one half dozen. But I believe in eternity. 
And I believe that my gift has great impact. And I believe that when we work together, when we do it together, there's so much that we can do for the kingdom of God. There's a boy that one day came to Jesus. They were looking for food to feed thousands with. And all he had was five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. What did he do? He brought it to Jesus. He said, here you go. I don't know if the disciples kind of like urged him like, hey, you got food and everybody's hungry. But there were crowds that were hungry. They were famished. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat, right? Lest they perish on the way home. There's a world hungry, perishing on their way to eternity. The little boy comes, five loaves, two fish, gives it to Jesus. Not much, but it was all he had. Just like the two mites were all the widow woman had. What does Jesus do? Lifts it up, blesses it, breaks it, and it begins to multiply. Why? Because God can do so much more with what we have than we can do with what we have. God can do so much more. So you might have five loaves and two fish. You might have two mites. You might have two million dollars. The important thing is that we obey God and what the Holy Spirit is leading us to give. If there's a need, we can do something about it. And I want us to do something about it. So write that down. Ushers, if you would come down to the front, why don't you go ahead and stand with me? Whatever you want to pledge, set it up recurring. Ushers, y'all go ahead and come down. They're gonna take up these cards. I know I'm a little bit over. Souls matter. As they're doing so, I want you to take that card in your hand. And ushers, before you begin to collect them, I want us to take a moment. I want us to pray. I want us to pray for the harvest as Jesus taught us to pray. For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send. And how are they sent? Father, I pray that as we come to you, we bring our acts of faith, we bring our pledge. God, you will multiply it. God, you are able. We want to see our world reach for Jesus. That's why we take time to recalibrate. We focus on missions. Because our heart is to give to give. We want to see souls come into your kingdom. And so God, as we bring these faith promises to you, I pray that today you would bless in faith and open up window over your people. That God, you would release a spirit of liberality and generosity upon this house. That God, we might be able to see you do the impossible in and through us as we reach this world for Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Um, If you would, ushers, go ahead and take them up. Y'all can pass them to the ends or however. Um, After they do that, after they come by and you pass those cards, I want us to get out of our seats and I want us to come down to the front. And we're gonna uh, close this morning in a time of praying for our world for Jesus, amen. Um, We're gonna pray for our lost and our own family, our neighbors, our backyards. But it's time that we as a church, we rise up, we pray, we take hold through our prayers, our giving, our going in every aspect, and we help make space, we help make room so that all may 
know Jesus. So if they've already passed your road, come on down to the front worship team. Y'all lead us in song as, as people are coming. Jesus. Give myself away. I give myself away so you Let's can pray together this morning, church. me. I give myself away. Surrender our hearts and our lives. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself reach this world just begin to cry out on behalf of friends and family members that don't know him that God would use you he would take your hands he would take your feet your mouth every part of you to reach our communities our co-workers people that we do life with come on just begin to intercede call people by name people that are far from God that need to know him just just begin to call them in prophesy and declare in faith that God has for me and my house we will serve the Lord our posterity God our communities we stand on the walls we stand in the gap for our city oh God that this city will serve you. Father, we pray that you will bless the efforts of missions, God, as we go into our own backyard so that Jacksonville, Florida will serve Jesus, that you will be Lord, you will be King of this city, you will be the God of this city, Father. But then to the ends of the earth, God, because you have called us from local to global, and Father, we stand in the gap of those who have never heard, those that don't know to repent, who to repent to, what to repent of. Father, we stand in the gap today so that all may know you as Lord, you as Savior because you are the bread of life. May we make space, may we create margin, may we give access, God, as the Shunammite woman did. May we
we create space for those who are far from you to come near to you, to come home to you. In Jesus' name, we give ourselves away. God, as a pledge of surrender, as a pledge of faith, we give ourselves away to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if you are here today and things might not be right between you and the Father, I want us to take a moment and I want you to make things right. Not wait till tomorrow, but today. Today is the day of salvation. So if things need to be made right, you're feeling God just tugging at your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for your grace. I ask that you would come into my life Become the Lord of my life. Take complete control. I surrender all. Help me to live for you, Jesus, every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to encourage you to find one of our altar team. They've got yellow lanterns and little placards on, but we want to help you take your next steps in your spiritual journey. We all have them, and we need help taking them. Amen. We're not here to do it alone. But we need to do that. Um, today on the way out, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get one of these little missions guides, grab one of them so you can see what, this, uh, what we as a church did over the past year. I want to read the ironic blessing. We've got Sir class immediately following this class. Jonathan Kahn next week. If you haven't been with us on Wednesday night to pray first, our midweek prayer services have been so powerful. Come out, watch what God will um, do in your life. This week, I believe Pastor Sean is, is speaking, and so it'll be an incredible word um, this Wednesday night. But if you would slip up your hands. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God and I will bless them. Father, we pray your blessing over your house, over your people today. God, may we walk intentionally this week to reach people for eternity, to reach people for Jesus. As the vision of this house says, we exist to help people encounter Jesus. Pray that we would do that this week on our jobs, at games, doctor's appointments, grocery stores, everywhere we go, God. May we help people encounter you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you all more than you know.